were looking at the future of mankind and kind of looking out into uh, what's to come um, and, and seeing how that affects man. Uh, but we left off on the last point looking at uh, the ages and the ones that are being caused to come. Now, if you are uh, members of our church, we had a nice little lesson on this uh, yesterday and looked at the ages to come and some of the amazing things uh, about those ages that we're in a uh, experience here coming in the future. Uh, but we'll pick up from point B at the bottom of page 15. And you've got me for two hours here tonight. Wow. <laughs> it's going to be a marathon. <laughs> got to drink plenty of water uh, to get through. Uh, but we're looking at this again, this point up at the bottom of page uh, 15B, the ones being caused to come ages. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, we're uh, grateful for this day and grateful for uh, the grace that you've provided to us, the uh, awesome opportunity that we have in spite of uh, everything that we are in Adam to have been rescued by your son, Jesus Christ, and the work that he accomplished on our behalf, and that we can live and walk in light of that work. Uh, and that uh, exciting thing is that in the coming ages, the ones that you're causing to come on the scene uh, throughout the future. We're going to still be the direct recipients of your grace and kindness uh, toward us. And it's uh, just an amazing thing to think about. And so we pray as we uh, continue on through this that uh, we'd gain a better appreciation for what we are, what we've come from, and where we're going. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, and so flip over to uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse Five. We'll just recap, um, not our sermon from yesterday, but it did coincide with where we were uh, in the notes here. And so these ages, the ones that are being caused to come. <clears throat> and in verse 2, or chapter 2 and verse 5, it says, Even uh, when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved, and hath made us, or raised us up together, and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace by his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And so we went through the exercise of looking at what all of that meant to the grace believer. Uh, but we know that there will be ages to come in the future. We know if we went over to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 that the Lord is the one that framed the ages. And so looking out into uh, these coming ages, he's going to be the one working uh, through us to bring uh, himself glory. And so God will uh, be operating with man and spirit beings to teach them something about himself and mainly through men. And God's grace and kindness, uh, as demonstrated uh, through the saints, is what will be at view. And so as we think further, we look at the outlook for unbelievers. And it's not as pretty as the uh, wonderful picture I hope that you've seen painted for you for <laughs> the last couple weeks when we've talked about uh, believers and what we have in grace and what's to come in the future. Uh, but as you look at unbelievers, they are the recipients of the wrath of God. And so we, uh, and con uh, uh, contrarily, as you look over in Romans chapter 5, have been saved from the wrath to come. They are going to participate in God's wrath. Go with me over to John chapter 3 and verse 36. John chapter 3 and verse 36. 
Now, a lot of people at sporting events and different things like to pay attention to the verse a little earlier in this chapter, <laughs> for God so loved the world. Well, he did, and he sent his son, but those that did not believe in him uh, get to participate in the wrath that is coming. Uh, pick it up in verse 32. <clears throat> I'll go back a little bit, verse 30. It says, He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all, and he is of the earth, or he that is of the earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh is from heaven, or he that cometh from heaven is uh, from above all. Verse 32, And what he hath seen and heard that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony hath the seal that God is true. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto men. The faith, or excuse me, the Father loveth the Son, and hath given him all things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son has not eternal life, or everlasting life there, but eternal life. And he believeth not the Son, he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. Now that's every time I hear that, I just think of a horrible picture, right? You're living this life uh, if you're not elect, namely because you're not ever going to believe the facts of the gospel, and you've got this wrath hovering over your head, right? And we, of course, don't know who those people are. Good thing we didn't. Probably some of our family members and those kinds of things. But as you're thinking about this, this is just a terrible picture. All of these things that befall the world in the tribulation period and on are hovering over their head. Uh, and it's just a terrible thing to think about. Thank God we're saved from it. Over in Romans chapter 2 and verse 5 and uh, verse 8, we see the condition of unsaved man's heart. Uh, stores up wrath for the day of its revelation. Go with me over to Romans chapter 2. And if you <clears throat> were to go back into the context of chapter 1, and uh, Paul is really painting the picture of this increasing unrighteousness of man over time, right? And so you go back, uh, and over the course of time, men has been obstinate toward God. And what did God do? He gave them over to work out whatever it is that they desired to do. And what conclusion did that come to? It came to men uh, being with men and women being with women and all of these other ungodly acts that you see in the first chapter. And so coming into chapter 2, he gives a therefore. So on the basis of what has been said there in the previous chapter, Thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judges, for there, wherein thou judgest another, thou condemn, condemnest thyself, for thou uh, that judgest doest the same things. Now, here's <clears throat> something about judgment, and the pastor has probably pointed this out in past times, and I've probably pointed it out a time or two. Uh, the Bible never tells you not to judge. This is a world concept. That they say, don't judge me, don't judge me, right? That's everyone's default when they don't want to be held accountable for the actions that they're doing. And I would say very well for a church, do not judge the unsaved in their acts, right? I would say 
for a church or a member of the body of Christ, do not judge someone for the same action that you're doing because you're then what? A hypocrite. <laughs> you don't judge hypocritically. But if you are walking in the, the fullness of who you're supposed to be in Christ and you see a brother that's that's sinning, why would you not help that brother? Galatians chapter five tells you or six tells us to do the exact opposite of that. You're supposed to judge the acts that they're doing and help your brother. Now, it's not for you to to put yourself up and lodge yourself over that brother and say, well, look at me. I'm doing good. <laughs> you're just doing terrible uh, like our kids do right now. A lot of times see my daughter going around walking with her chest in the air and she's doing the right thing and my son is not nah, 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 nah. <laughs> not, not those kind of things, right? But if you see a brother that's continuing in a path that's going to lead to his destruction, why would you not intervene in it? And you would have to judge in order to do that. Uh, and so here it's telling you, don't judge hypocritically. Verse 2, but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O men, that thou or that judges them which do such things and doest the same, that thou shall escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the really here not goodness, but the kindness of God leadeth thee to repentance. And so you're ignoring the fact here when you're judging hypocritically or even when you're judging to lodge yourself over someone else, that it was God's kindness that caused you to have a change of mind concerning sin. It wasn't you wagging the finger and saying, look at what you're doing, right? It's calling that action to attention and, and helping that brother in it. Verse five, it says, but after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasures up uh, unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath at the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. This is something that's very important to be seen about the wrath of God. We hear that word wrath and we think anger, right? We think human terms. We think spite. We think getting back at someone, all of these kinds of terms. But the wrath of God is a revelation of the righteousness of God. And if you had scales, those scales are out of balance right now, right? And it seems like unrighteousness is being allowed to just run rampant in this world. Well, there's going to be a balancing of that righteousness. Even if you look at the word for vengeance, if you go over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse, uh, chapter 2 and verse 1, they're about, about chapter 1 and verse 8. And the pastor likes to point that out as one of his favorite verses, right? <laughs> well, that word for vengeance there is a word for righteousness with an ek preposition on the front of it. And so God is just giving out righteousness to those who are unrighteous. And it's part of his plan and purpose. So as you think about uh, wrath, don't think about it in human terms. Verse 6, it says, who will render to every man according to his deeds, <clears throat> to them who uh, by patience conti or patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality and eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, uh, tribulation and anguish upon every soul uh, of man that doeth evil uh, of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. <clears throat> and so you see at the end of the day, 
he's no respecter of persons when it comes to judgment, right? Everyone that has not done what they're supposed to do as far as believing the facts of the gospel, they're going to be a part of that, that judgment that's coming or, or the wrath that is coming. We also see over in Romans chapter 9 and verse 22 that the wrath of God is shown uh, through those that are not elect. And I've told you before times, I don't know if anyone else had the struggle that someone in my house had with this verse or this chapter, but uh, that person, boy, they really had a struggle with this chapter. Who, who am I talking about? I don't know. <laughs> it might have been me. I don't know. Verse 18 of chapter 9. It says, Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and on whom he will or desires he hardeneth. Thou wilt say then uh, unto me, Why dost thou yet find fault in him? Or find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to the thing that formed it, why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay and the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What if God, willing to show his wrath and make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? And so ultimately, God is giving this long period of time for unsaved men to come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. And yet, we know it's not going to happen, right? There's just some people that are not going to believe. Uh, and those are the ones that are not chosen, and you see it uh, there. But the wrath is abiding over them as well. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 3, where we uh, were yesterday, and we were here just a second ago, we'll skip past that one, but hop over to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. And we see the whole of mankind is born into the wrath of God. And so, yes, even those sweet little babies, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, they are born into this same position. But you see it, uh, pick it up in verse uh, 1 of chapter 6. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou may, mayest live long on the earth. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Am I no, wrong? Verse, did I say 6, 4? Hmm. 2, 3? Well, it isn't 2, 3, but... I didn't want to go there on account of we had already been there before, but I might have to. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's not the one I'm looking for. Uh, it's in 5-6. Uh, I'm sorry. How did I get 6-4? Um, <clears throat> we'll pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 5. Mm -hmm. It is in 2-4-2. Two, two, two. Wait, I should not study late at night. <laughs> it doesn't lead to good results. Uh, verse 1 of chapter 5, it says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. But fornication and all uncleanliness and covetousness, let it not once be named among you as become of saints." 
Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which is not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this we know, that no whoremonger, uh, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. So you see that it's not just God sitting around saying, oh, boy, what will I do today? I'm going to unleash the wrath of God on the world. No, there's acts that have or really show forth the reason for his wrath being showed, right? And ultimately, it just goes back to one sin, but these sins that continue on and perpetuate show forth that sin nature that was inherited from Adam, and it is the reason that, that the wrath of God is coming. So you can probably update your notes there uh, to say 5-6 rather than 6-4. It's not even close to the same thing. I don't know how turn that around. And we also see that the wrath of God is coming upon mankind because of actions uh, done in the present. And so, uh, well, that was five, six there. Uh, Colossians 3, 6, we also see it. Hop with me over to the sister epistle to this one. Uh, Colossians 3, 6. And pick it up at verse 1. And he says there, uh, If you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear uh, with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience. And so you see that listing again. <laughs> it's often seen throughout the New Testament, these different listings of sins that people can get involved in, and then you see this wrath of God being stated after that now. It's not to say that a believer can never get caught up in some of these acts, right? But God intervenes in the life of a believer that just continues on in these acts. An unsaved person can just go on in these acts from uh, their whole life and not have anything uh, happen to them. Uh, but it's different for a believer. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 16 is another place we see uh, this kind of cited out. First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 16. Um, and pick it up in... Verse uh, 11. And he says there, as you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that you walk worthy of God, who hath called you, uh, called you unto the kingdom, his kingdom and glory. For this cause also we thank God without ceasing, because when we, you receive the word of God, which you heard of us. 
You received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For you, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea and are in, um, in Christ Jesus. For you also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us. And they please not God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved to fill up their sins all way. For the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. And so you see here this uh, action and a lot of people don't believe um, in the fact that some people will get more severe punishment than, than others. Well, uttermost, um, the wrath of God kind of different than the wrath of God coming upon someone normally. Uh, but you see this here to those uh, Jews that would lead people in the opposite direction. Uh, also over in Revelation, of course, you're going to see the wrath of God mentioned several times, and we won't touch upon each one of them. But in uh, Revelation chapter 6 and verse 16, we see the wrath of the Lamb uh, will cause men to beg for death. Now you're going to really get a picture of how bad the wrath of God can get here when you have people begging to die rather than to live. Uh, that's, that's pretty bad. But Revelation chapter 6, and pick it up at pick it up at verse 12. It says there, And I beheld... When he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of the heavens fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casts her uh, untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved from its place, uh, and the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in dens, and in rocks of mountains, and said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth upon the throne, for the wrath of the Lamb, uh, uh, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Uh, and so you, you go on there and, and read more. It gets worse and worse as you read, but uh, it's not a pretty picture, right? The wrath of God is coming. And it's interesting that the, the term or title for the Lord, the, the lamb, is used there, right? You see a lamb as being so sweet and cuddly, right, and so vulnerable to wolves? Well, that's the juxtaposition of this one that they persecuted while he was here on this earth. And he's now come back, right? And he's exacting wrath. It's not the same Jesus that they threw rocks at, that they spat on, that they hit and beat. It's the Jesus that's come in great power, 
right? And he's he's exact, exacting wrath uh, upon them. Uh, now, again, don't look at it as revenge or vengeful. Don't look at it in the terms that we use where, oh, they did this to me. Now they're going to get theirs. It's my time to get them back. I often think about my dad and some of the stories he tells of him and his brothers and all the shenanigans they used to do when they were younger. And one kid from the street might do something to them and they go back and, and attack them. That's how men work, right? We've got to get even. We've got to get revenge. Well, God has to balance the scales of righteousness, and that's what he's doing uh, in this wrath. We see the 24 elders uh, praise God for the revelation of his wrath. Now, these 24 elders certainly want revenge, and they're, they're saying, how long is it going to be and, until we are uh, redeemed or, or until we get our vengeance for what's happened to us? Uh, and it finally happens, and they are praising God as a result of it. Go with me over to uh, Revelation chapter 11. And we will pick it up at verse 14. And he says there, The second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. And the seventh angel sounded, and, uh, <clears throat> and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign into the ages of the ages. And the four uh, and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord, God Almighty, which art and was and art to come. Because thou hast taken, thou hast taken to thee thy great power, and hast reigned, and the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest uh, give reward unto thy servants and prophets and the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, shall destroy them which destroy the earth. And so it goes on from there, but. You see, uh, these might be in the company of the pastor, right, where he says he just wants to see the evil balanced out. Right? <laughs> they want to see their deaths avenged and they want to see people rewarded who have done according to what God desires. And they they uh, sing a praise to God for this here. Uh, then uh, the coming wrath is spoken of in several other places, but I think you get the picture of it. So you see it in uh, Revelation 14, 19. 15, 1, and 7, 16, 1, and 19, and finally over in uh, Revelation chapter 19 and verse 15. Now, we do also see uh, that the uh, wrath of Satan is going to come uh, when he's cast down from heaven, and the uh, unsaved will unfortunately have to take part in that as well. Uh, but go with me over to uh, Revelation chapter 12, or just flip back one page, and we can pick it up from verse 1. And in this, you can see that uh, this is going to come over all the world, but mostly he's going to be focusing his wrath to Israel, right? And he's going to uh, be really trying to to uh, uh, go after them. But pick it up in verse 1. It says, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, uh, cried travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. 
And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew down a third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child, who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And a child, and her child was caught up uh, unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her, uh, <clears throat> feed her there a thousand and two hundred and threescore days. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought and against the dragon, and the dragon uh, fought and his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent, which uh, is called the devil and Satan, uh, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth he hath but a short time. And so here you see, uh, for those that think that uh, the devil is confined to hell, well, it doesn't show that here, right? For those that think that the devil doesn't have access to heaven, it doesn't show that here, right? It shows that he's cast out of heaven. And you can tie that with what we see in Job, where he goes right into the, the third heaven and, and accuses uh, Job before God. <clears throat> and so you see here, it's not until midway through the tribulation period that he's cast out of heaven. And then he says, oh boy, <laughs> these things might be coming to an end here. It's time to start just throwing everything against the wall and seeing what sticks. And so mainly to, to persecute Israel there. Uh, but you see, those that are on the earth are going to have a, a bad time at this point because the wrath of God has already come out and now you see the wrath of Satan uh, starting to kick up and it's, it's just an ugly time. Uh, and then at the end of all of that, <clears throat> as you look to the end of the tribulation period, you see the judgment of the sheep and goats. Go with me over to Matthew chapter 25 and verse 32. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 32. And pick it up at verse 31. It says there, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels, angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be all the nations, and he shall separate them uh, one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from his goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then shall the king say unto them uh, on his right, Come. And ye uh, come, ye be blessed 
uh, of my father inherit the kingdom prepared for thee uh, from the foundation of the world. For when I was hungered, you gave me meat. And when I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. Uh, I was in prison and you came unto me. Uh, then shall the righteous answer uh, him, saying, Lord, uh, when saw we saw thee, saw we thee, that's hard to say, uh, and hungered and fed thee, or thirsty, uh, and gave thee drink, uh, when um, saw we thee, a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee, or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came uh, unto thee, and the king shall answer and say, Verily I say unto you, insomuch as you have done it unto the least of these, uh, my brethren, you have done it unto me. And so uh, you see the opposite is true for, for the uh, rest of them that are considered to be goats in that time. And so what you have coming into uh, the kingdom as it's established on this earth is you have a total separation of all of those that are unsaved, right? They're cast out. <laughs> You have the devil, if we went to the end of Revelation, is going to be chained up and bound and put into prison. And so he's not going to be able to impact anything. And you have the Lord establishing his kingdom on the earth. And so the world system is going to be totally, totally dealt with. And so what you have coming into this kingdom is you have optimum situation for mankind, right? To be able to serve God and do what God desires, having everything provided for you. And yet uh, there are some <laughs> that will have children and that old nature is going to arise itself again. And, and unfortunately, uh, at the end, uh, it's, it's not going to end well. Uh, but you see this millennial kingdom uh, that kicks up from there uh, over in Matthew chapter eight and verse 12. The Lord foretells of the future uh, for some of the children in the kingdom. We can go back there uh, really quickly since we're in Matthew. Matthew eight. In verse 12. And... You said 12, right? Uh, yes. We'll pick it up in... Um, Pick it up in verse 10. When Jesus uh, heard it, he marveled and said uh, to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from east to west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the kingdom, excuse me, the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus uh, said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, uh, so be it done unto thee. And uh, his servant was healed that selfsame hour. So you see this healing that's done, and right here in the midst of this, right, he's talking about what's going on now. But he's got an eye to the future as to what's going to happen when the kingdom uh, of heaven is coming. Do you have a question there, brother? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I... This is about that centurion guy, right? Uh-huh. So when, so when he says, I say to you that many will come from east to west to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. 
Is he talking about when he sets up the thousand-year reign here? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But not talking directly to the satyrian. Remember, there's more people around him that are, are seeing this miracle done as so well. So he's basically saying in a prophecy, things to come during that time, It's this guy here has got more faith than some of those who will be sitting around Jacob and, and Abraham and Isaac, and he's got more faith in right now than they will. Well, I think the comparative is to the faith that is that he has is compared to those those people that are around him at the current time, okay. similar to the, okay, okay. the faith That's that we see. Yeah, I, 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 yep. Right. Uh, then over in Matthew 13 and uh, verse 39, we see the Lord describes the action of the angels to gather out those that offend in the kingdom. Uh, and so you see further punishment going on in the kingdom, right? Uh, and if everything was perfect in the kingdom and people wonder, well, uh, Satan is, is locked up. There's no uh, temptation from Satan or, or his demons. Uh, the uh, world system is gone. And these that come into the kingdom even have a law written on their hearts, right? So that they won't be able to very easily uh, break the law. And yet, uh, these kids that come, <laughs> I think that's the issue. And you see it pointed out here in verse 39. Uh, but pick it up in verse 36. It says, Uh, Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. And he answered and said unto them, He that soweth uh, the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the uh, sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. And really, they're not the end of the world, but the end of the age. Yeah. And the reapers are the angels. As therefore the, uh, the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of the age. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which uh, do iniquity, and shall cast them into the furnace of fire, There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as a sun in the kingdom of the Father, uh, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Uh, And so he goes on again, gives uh, more information there concerning uh, the coming of the kingdom. Uh, But we also see uh, at the end of the millennial kingdom, you're going to see the great white throne judgment. And so what you can look at this as is... uh, the second death, and so you see the first death spoken about earlier in Scripture. I believe it talks about it over in First Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, but we're not going to take part in this second death, right? The second death is for those that are, are not saved. And so uh, this is the death that you, you don't want to take part in. Yeah. But in uh, Revelation chapter 2 and verse 11, we see uh, the second death has no impact on those that are overcomers. Uh, So go with me there, Revelation chapter 2 and verse 11. And pick it up at, uh, I don't want to read the whole thing, Uh, verse 8. It says, And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works, 
and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich, and I know the blasphemy of them that say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, <clears throat> that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt by the second death. And so here, the second death is referenced. And you say, well, what is this second death? Well, let's go a little bit further. We'll find more information. Over in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 6, we see that it has no impact on those that take part in the first resurrection. And so you could cross-reference that with uh, what we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 23. And hopefully you realize that you and I will take part in the first resurrection. resurrection. So this second death does not have impact on us. Uh, but pick it up in verse 1 of Revelation chapter 20. And we see there it says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is called the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. And so you could fit that right in that slot after the uh, judgment of the sheep and goats. Satan is going to be bound and cast into prison for a thousand years. And cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should not deceive the nations no more till the thousand years shall be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loose for a little season. And I saw the thrones, uh, um, I saw thrones and they that sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and which had not worshiped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned a thousand, or with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no, really their authority, not power, but authority. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And so you see all of those that take part in this first resurrection. And it's not limited to just you and I, but those that are, are saved uh, will not be hurt by the second death. We also see in verse 14 uh, that this has connection to death and Hades when you're talking about the second death. And so keep reading down and we'll skip down just a few verses uh, and you're going to see uh, in this chapter that Satan is loosed out and goes to deceive the nations again. Pick it up in verse 10. It says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Well, it's before this day was released, but he's cast back into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, uh, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which was the book of life. 
And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the, uh, gave up the dead which were in it. And the uh, dead, death, and hell uh, delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever is not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so you see this final judgment at the great white throne is a judgment of all unsaved, of all times, and they're all going to be cast into the lake of fire. Um, now, as I'm reading that, I see Satan cast into the lake of the fire, and I say, yes! <laughs> and then I think of uh, some of these hideous, horrendous people that have just killed millions and millions of people, your, your Chairman Mao's, your Hitler's, and all of these people, and you think... Yes, <laughs> they're getting what they deserve. Uh, but you have a little bit more grace on some of those, those other ones that just didn't believe. Um, over in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8, we see the final death for those uh, taking part in the great white throne judgment. Uh, and it's similar to what's stated here, so we don't need to go there necessarily. And then the content of judgment uh, in Revelation chapter uh, uh, 20 and verse 11. Uh, we could go back there, really don't need to. Uh, but we see in verses 11 and 12 the judgment of all non-believers of all time. And judgment is to those uh, whose names are not in the book of life, again in verse 12. Uh, finally, we see judgment is based on the content of personal activities which are kept in that book. And so you see that back in uh, Revelation chapter 20 and verse 12. And judgment uh, delivers those who have been awaiting judgment uh, in verses, uh, verse 13. Uh, verse 14, you see judgment is connected to death in Hades. And finally, uh, judgment states the final destination for the unsaved to be the lake of fire. And so you see that in uh, Revelation chapter 20 and verse 15. And with that, I'm going to let us have a little break and we will come back next and talk about the components of the immaterial parts of man.